calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome to Beyond the Haunt. I'm Evelyn Kennedy. And I'm Jessica Powell. And we're answering listener questions on all things spirit. Woohoo! Yes. So as always, you guys can send your questions either to our social media presence website. You can email me directly at k.evelynkennedy at gmail.com if you have any questions relating to ghost mediumship, anything you've heard on Real Haunting so far, self-help, cookie recipes. I don't have good cookie recipes. Any and all questions accepted. (laughs) Our first question is, how do I differentiate between an intuitive feeling, um, so I'm assuming that's like a like psychic receiving, um, versus gut reaction or trauma response? So this is a juicy one. We thought we'd start off light <laughs> because let's, that's how we roll. Let's talk about your trauma. The way that I approach this, and first off, this is a really good question. This question already shows a certain amount of self-awareness that I think is really crucial to going into this work in a well-rounded kind of way. Um, It's like the only way you can go into this work. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know. Do you want to, do you want to lead this? Since I'm the one that's been traumatized the most? (laughs) I didn't know we were measuring our trauma. Oh my God. Yeah. Didn't you know it's the trauma Olympics? (laughs) So as Evelyn said, this this is a great question. It does. The fact that you are even aware of the fact that you could be having a trauma response. Let me confer with Evelyn here. What do you think about the difference between gut and intuitive? Because I think they're the same. Those are the same to me. Yeah. So I wouldn't say that gut feeling. So in the question, um, she does group gut feeling and trauma response together. So the first thing that I want to clarify is that gut feeling does fall into intuition. It can it, it could be um, formed by some of your previous experiences, but the most important thing is knowing um, what your traumas are so that you can identify when you're operating out of trauma response. Like it's kind of a matter of getting in front of that, really. Yeah. Um, but I do think that the the phrase 
generally gut feeling um, is one of those subtle ways that we do utilize intuitive receiving um, and even people who don't think that they do do like we call it gut feeling for a reason yeah because you literally feel it in your guts clairsentience but it's not necessarily feeling somebody else's guts you're feeling your own gut clairsentience isn't you don't have to only (laughs) use that for other people that's like in a reading context, right? Okay. I should also mention that through all these spiritual practices, everybody has different language around things, <laughs> which could get confusing, but also it just means whatevs. And this is hard. I do want to preface this by saying I am very actively in work with unraveling a lot of my childhood trauma. I've done a good chunk of it, like a significant chunk. And here's the thing. If you ever have, if you're talking to somebody and they say that they know everything and they have answers for everything, just like I said in the last podcast about if somebody um, ignores the fact that their shadow work run far and run fast. I, you don't know what you don't know. Me as an as a professional intuitive, professional healer, I have my own intuitives that I go to. I have my own healers that I go to. I have a therapist that I've seen every week since 2015. Um, and to kind of go through all of this and to really know what has been what, I had to do a lot of work and I am speaking for my own self. So, you know, take this answer as you will. Some things will probably stick. Some things won't take what you like, leave what you don't. I had to know what my trauma was. And for me, I lived the first 35 fucking years of my life, not knowing what I was carrying. Um, I made mention that uh, in the last podcast that I was definitely running in the rat race that we have within the United States, you know, climbing the corporate ladder, competitive athlete. I never stopped to really think about anything. And now that I know I probably did that as a response to the trauma that I was holding within my body. Like a running, a running from. Running from, disassociating, just like going away from it. So when like the phrase you don't know what you don't know is where you, like even people like us, we have our own people that we go to to help us kind of suss through some of this stuff. So in order for you to know what is your trauma and what is gut instinct, you really need to be intimate with your trauma and know how it affects you, know what is activated in you as soon as you're having any sort of trauma response. Um, Brene Brown talks about this a lot in um, her work. It's when your whole system gets flooded and everybody feels something different. Like for me, I'll start to, I mean, I'm a sweaty person anyway, but I'll start to sweat even more profusely. I can feel my heart rate increase. I can feel my breath either get shallow or held. And I can, it's almost like I can sense that I'm leaving my body. Um, Like my brain is just shut off and I am no longer there. And so that is when I know I'm in like an actual state of like some sort of trauma ignition, some sort of trigger. You have to know that stuff so that you can then start to understand kind of the intricacies and the nuance and the subtleties of what you're carrying. Because if you don't know what you're carrying, you can never really figure out if it's your trauma or if it's your intuition. And another thing too, and I think sometimes we ask this, we ask this question because we feel that like one is better or more important than the other, or maybe one should be maybe ignored and one should be trusted more. And the thing is, our trauma responses 
are intelligent responses. They are things that have basically kept us alive until now. And oftentimes too, whether it's healed trauma or unhealed trauma, whether it's recognized trauma or unrecognized trauma, your trauma response in your intuition can be one in the same. Like, let's say you meet somebody and uh, you start to just feel really uncomfortable and you're like, wow, this, I think this might be some like daddy issue stuff, but then also your into and that's like from your trauma, but then your intuition is like, that's, exa that's exactly what this is. And that's where things can get married together. So I really want people to not think of a trauma response or your into or um, in like an informed trauma insight versus intuition that one of those needs to be ignored and the other one doesn't. I, I think they both have importance and all of this stuff is like a lifetime of work. It's not anything that you're going to figure out in the next month. I mean, maybe who knows? I think it's unlikely that that's going to happen and it's just going to be the more you practice all of whatever it is that you practice, the more you get to know yourself. That's like the whole entire intent with spirituality is to know your own self, well, Eastern spirituality, know the deepest parts of yourself so intimately that you can then operate from a place of non-reactivity and instead from a place of action. When you're talking about like something like that, like an acute trauma response, like basically being in a panic state how can someone or should someone be trying to make intuitive psychic spiritual connections when they're already activated in that way? I think it's really hard to. I think you have to come out of that. And there are various practices that people can do to help kind of manage themselves. Medication is sometimes something that's needed. I know I have needed that myself. Like a grounding has to happen, I think. A grounding has to happen, but sometimes the grounding can't happen. And it just, you just have to kind of like go and do what you need to do to just like come back to yourself. And I'm, I'm, I'm starting with like the most severe because you have to know that in order to know all the other stuff, because to know when you're operating from like a response of trauma versus like your intuition, you really need to be super familiar just with everything that you're working with. Yeah. Being able to identify, and I don't know, I, I, sometimes I'll describe it like this other, this other part of my brain, or it's almost like a, f like a, f a friend or like a frenemy, I guess I would say this other aspect of self that pops in where I can be like, Oh, hi, trauma self. Like, there you are. I see that you are present. And if you are present, I know that I probably can't trust necessarily a lot of what is going on in my brain. And so if I'm having psychic receiving that tends to come through my brain, there's probably a lot of noise and misinformation circulating through there. And so it absolutely is hard to determine the difference when you are in an activated state. And so unless you're very practiced um, and have a really solid relationship maybe with your guides to the point where you know when they're coming in and when they're not and and you have enough experience under your belt to feel really comfortable with that i don't think that i would say like now you know that's a great time to start figuring out your what's intuitive information and what's not yeah if you are working with healing from trauma it is i i'm a very pro pro 
good therapist. Um, I know there's a lot of bad ones out there. And there's different modalities that can really help you unearth a lot of stuff. I specifically did EMDR. Like I went because I, I got jumped when I was in India and I had PTSD from that. So I thought I had PTSD just from that. And then in working through my PTSD from that, it turned out I had, I was just living with complex PTSD my whole entire life. And that kind of unearthed itself. I'm trying to think of like, um, like a really like concrete and specific example. And I think something that I can use that's pretty, I mean, kind of recent, we've been together for two and a half years now, is I have, because of my trauma, my father's a raging narcissist, and I'm sure some of you can identify with this, uh, you tend to gravitate towards partners who are similar. So I had come out of a really traumatic relationship before I met Evelyn, and it had been like two and a half years, I'd done a lot of healing, um, but I was... Um, how do I put this? I would just ignore the red flags that were there. Um, and those red flags were triggered by my intuition, but that intuition was also informed by my trauma. So an example of when my trauma informed insights and my intuition did not line up. I got out of this relationship and when I started dating Evelyn, I had moments where I mean, first I was activated because I wanted to make sure I wasn't missing any red flags because I wasn't going to do that again. But then if other stuff happened, I would have this des like desire to flee just to like leave the situation and be like, this isn't right. This isn't what this is. You know, this isn't going to work out. Um, I need to leave. And I had to like come back to myself and be like, OK, because I'd already done this work, I knew that I was overly sensitive at that very moment because I was starting this new relationship. I didn't want to get into a traumatized state again. And so the things that I wanted to leave over were things that weren't even really actual red flags. Um, Evelyn has no red flags. That's why I'm marrying her. Um, <laughs> I'm sure I have some. No, maybe some yellow. There was like some <laughs> yellow, yellow flags. <laughs> maybe, maybe a couple orange. No. And so through that... Like the gut instinct that I had in my relationship prior, um, I had already picked up on a bunch of stuff with regards to like narcissistic tendencies. I didn't even know that that was a pattern I was in. You just ignore the signs. Like it's so easy to do that. Yeah. And your, in, your intuition does try to tell you. And sometimes too, people will have really visceral body intuition reactions. I was in a relationship when I was 27 and I had raging heartburn the entire time. And as soon as we broke up, I didn't have heartburn anymore because it was like the most toxic, awful relationship ever. Um, oh my God, we could do a whole episode about bodily manifestations of issues. Oh God. Yeah, we, that's, <laughs> yeah. Talk about another big old box to open. So yeah, so when I was dating Evelyn, I had to, when I had that instant desire to flee, when she did nothing to deserve that desire, I knew, and I also talked to my therapist about it so I could get some confirmation. I feel like having somebody to talk this stuff out who is an objective observer um, and somebody who knows you well enough can help you kind of suss through this stuff. Uh, it what That was my trauma response. My trauma response was, I'm not safe in relationships. This person's going to hurt me. I'm getting into another bad situation. I need to leave. Um, when the stuff that she was doing had nothing to do with any of the things that would actually indicate that. Um, so that's one way that I knew that I was operating from more of a trauma than my intuition. Whereas in the past relationship, all of that stuff was intuition, everything that I picked up. And it kept, 
and you know, we have to have grace with ourselves too, because we might get it wrong. We might think that it's our trauma. We might think it's our intuition. We might go with it. And then we're like, oh, shit, here I am again in the same goddamn pattern all over again. And we do that until we learn. And I like to think that each time we go through those, we learn a little bit more so that the next time we handle it a little bit differently to the point where we've like, we eventually grow out of that stuff. I feel like there's a lot of things that come up for me that don't necessarily like where I'm like, oh, they're not gone. I just see them come up. And then kind of it's almost like it becomes more of like an observer role of like, oh, there's this really activating thing. Now we kind of do this part of the ride. Um, But it's like the dance through those emotions and experiences becomes smoother. It becomes a dance that, you know, it's almost like, you know, like a, a heavy familiarity where it's like, oh, yep, there's that. I know what to do with that. I have all the information around that to get through this. And that's a good example, more minor trauma response, like not necessarily being in like a panic state, but like having to be hypervigilant, basically, like looking for red flags everywhere, looking for, you know, where's the lack of safety? I have to always be looking for the lack of safety. And your brain can absolutely like kind of create because it's so patterned for it. It can be like, it's probably here. It's probably there. It gives you a lot of speculative information, I feel like. Yeah. It does. It's a slog, (laughs) unfortunately, shifting out of like trauma responses to intuit, like just not having those and just going with your intuition. I can tell you about a time when I full on ignored my intuition, like my no, I guess it wasn't even intuition. I would say it was like my knowing, which is intuition. I am definitely a believer that humans have. This episode of the Real Hauntings Real Ghost Stories podcast is brought to you by Wild Grain. Hey everyone, it's Noah Daniels and I'm here to talk to you again about Wild Grain. Our last shipment of Wild Grain was so good that my four-year-old cannot stop asking for more of that awesome bread with dinner. And I'm not going to lie, I'm right there with him. And honestly, there's nothing quite like the smell of fresh bread baked coming from the oven. What if I told you that you too could get that delicious experience of homemade bread with none of the time and work involved? Well, you can by ordering from Wild Grain. Wild Grain is the first ever bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. Every item bakes frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. And you can now fully customize your Wild Grain box, so you can choose any combination of breads, pastas, and pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. Plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box. When you go to wildgrain.com hauntings to start your subscription. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com hauntings. That's wildgrain.com hauntings, or you can use promo code hauntings at checkout. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored free will. And so even like when we are receiving this information, we have this knowing you can still choose how you want to use that information. And sometimes you don't want to use that information. And this actually has been coming up in work with some of my clients a lot where it's like, well, here's 
here's the psychic information. And ultimately, you still get to decide what to do with that. And for me, I remember that I got this knowing shortly after my daughter was born, where I this is the first time that ayahuasca started kind of like coming to visit and and like being like, hey, like maybe consider this. I had a friend who went to Peru and and she sat with ayahuasca for like 10 days and she came back and um, I don't know, I was just starting to feel kind of called to it. And then I just had this immediate knowing where I was like, if you sit with ayahuasca, you are going to realize that you're a lesbian and you're going to have to leave your husband. And I, it was that clear. It was like this, ob- <laughs> it was like this absolute... <laughs> like blatant like I was like oh my god you're just gonna like be so direct with me um and I just I just knew and what's so funny about that is like sure like okay now I have that information I don't know like did I think that I could outrun it or something like as long as that was like right after Daphne was well Daphne was maybe 18 months old okay but yeah I mean it was just like I already had the information that I was going to get if I went to get that information and I still was like I am not interested in that at this time. Opt Thank out. you. <laughs> like, no, no, thanks. Um, we're just going to put the lid right back on that Pandora's box and act like it never happened. So that would definitely be a major case of ignoring intuition. And I think really like what probably needed to happen was like, I was supposed to have my son. I hadn't had my son yet. He definitely like wanted to come through. So it just wasn't time. It was Bless that blue-headed child. <laughs> He's such a weirdo. Um, so, yeah, and then, of course, eventually, that's what happened. Go figure. Um, <laughs> you can't outrun it forever. Uh, but, yeah, I, I definitely didn't listen to my intuition in that particular case. Do you have an example of when you operated from a trauma response, thinking it was your intuition? <sighs> Oh my gosh, I might have to sit with that for a little bit. When I operated from a trauma response. I don't think that I do. I think that... I don't know. Well, I'm going to end up probably having to, like, in two days, I'll be like, I thought of it. I thought of the the time that I operated from a trauma response. Um, Not to say that I don't operate from trauma response ever, but just that, like... I didn't, I haven't mixed them up. Like, I think I've, I've usually had a pretty clear understanding and maybe it's just that my trauma isn't like loud enough to pull me out of that intuitive connection. Like I might get the intuitive information and ignore it, but I haven't ever mistaken one for the other that I can think of off the top of my head. Anyways, I'll put a pin in that. (laughs) Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything else like I said, you don't know what you don't know. So I could be work. I could very well be working from a place of intuition and it's still very much informed by my trauma, but know that like the more you heal, like, I think the important part is like the more you start to heal from whatever trauma it is that you have um, encountered in your life, the less loud it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And then the more, I think it's like, I think a lot, like these, a lot of these questions come down to whether or not people can trust themselves. Yeah. And I think writing is so fantastic because, and I didn't have like a rate, like super regular practice until I read Julia Cameron's The Artist Way in like March of 2015. Um, And then I started doing the morning pages every single day. And the premise with that 
and this is going to be like something helpful with like in hindsight. Um, but it's something that you can try, you can start to like realize where you can trust yourself. So I started writing more regularly starting then in the morning pages is you basically sit down and you just free write three pages. I have those little moleskin journals and the lines are very tiny. And so I do just like a page front and back and that's 45 minutes of writing really illegibly. It's just getting it out on paper. And I didn't have a really big writing practice before I met my last um, partner, but I did write a little bit. I wrote enough that after the breakup, I went back and I read some of those things and I was like, holy shit. I knew. I knew all of this stuff. This was all my intuition. I can trust myself. Like that was such an important moment for me to be able to go back and reflect and read some of that stuff to know that the feelings and the sensations and the thoughts that I had was my intuition knocking on the door and then again, just choosing to ignore it, which is why I think I went into the relationship with Evelyn overly heightened because <laughs> I didn't want to miss that stuff. And then, but the, that's the thing is like when any little thing happened, I was like, this is my intuition telling me this is wrong. And I, I need to get out of this relationship right now. Right. It's almost like, leave. like you quadrupled down on like, I can trust myself. I can trust myself. I can trust myself. Yeah. Like, so that means the, this is absolutely, that means I'm right all the time. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> wrong. <laughs> um, Sometimes we talk about that being like a, like the pendulum swing, like oh. in, in, in yeah. healing and just in life, like the pendulum will be all the way over here. And like, I can't trust myself. Um, you know, I, I'm always wrong. And then it swings hard the other way in order to eventually neutralize yeah. and make a correction. But boy, we do have a tendency to overcorrect. Yeah, we do. Well, and it comes to like boundaries too. Like if you're a person who never set a boundary in their life and then all of a sudden realize that you're resenting everything around you and you're like, boundaries! And then you get overly boundary to the point where you're like, you're like shutting people out. Yeah, <laughs> you are Alcatraz, but like inescapable and impenetrable. Um, and then you realize, wow, I've really closed off a lot of my existence. <clears throat> and then you you come back into the middle. I'm sorry, this isn't like a super clear answer. And I think oh, what. I think this is going to be indicative of kind of like what all of this stuff is, too, is like the spiritual work is just getting to know yourself better. And the more that you do this work, you're going to fuck up. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to think a trauma response is your intuition and you're going to run with it. And then six months later, you're going to be like, God damn it. And that's okay. Like, I don't think any of us are ever going to be perfect in this. And it's one of the reasons that I really gravitate towards the Eastern religions. And I was really fascinated by them in high school um, when I learned about them at my Catholic all-girls school was these practices are really just getting to know yourself better and to know who the real you is and to tear away all of this other bullshit, all the layers of trauma, all the layers of like patterns, that expectations, are expectations, stories from like society or your family and all of this stuff and letting it fall away so you can be your truest self. And so when you're thinking about, is this something I can trust within myself? Maybe yes, Maybe no. Um, it depends on how much healing work you've done. And I don't know if healing work is ever done. 
No, I don't think there's such thing. I think there are very few enlightened Buddhas walking around this earth right now. I mean, now. I even feel like the concept of enlightenment is a little bit ego-based <laughs> in, in and of itself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to get there. I don't know if I will in this life. Wouldn't it be great to just like not have suffering and to just like you've experienced everything so fully that you've then been able to transcend it? I, I think don't know, that it just feels like a lot like me, me, me and what in my experience. <laughs> but I mean, the whole okay, so then we're going into like Joseph Campbell's Here's our here's our next podcast episode. <laughs> well then we're going into like jo- Joseph Campbell's like the um oh my god, the hero's journey. And, like, Buddha didn't, like, sit under that fucking Bodhi tree and then, like, go off on his merry way and be like, oh, I'm the Buddha. (laughs) No, he, like, taught until he was dead. Um, Like, the whole point in, like, Joseph Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey, I heard the book is very, like, the books are very dense, but there's, like, some really lovely um, documentaries that have been created by it. But it's basically, like, you have a calling you go and do the thing that you've been called to do. You learn from the thing that you did. And then you go back and you teach other people. Like it's like rinse and repeat throughout yeah. all of existence. And that's like related to everything. Yeah. Um, like the fact that the person who asked this question is even familiar with the fact that they have a trauma response and they have their intuition as well is or like a not necessarily a trauma response, but a um, trauma informed like maybe gut is that they've already started doing this work and first (laughs) congratulations it fucking sucks and it's so worth it it's like the best worst thing you can do which i see about a lot of things i say that about vipassana i say that about ayahuasca um really as soon as you like pull back the layers and you're like i'm not going to be ignorant anymore shit gets real and then you can't go back to being ignorant and it kind of sucks sometimes you just want to be like can i just be that ignorant buffoon i was before who just partied and made out with a bunch of gay boys at dance clubs (laughs) no no you can't Jess you can't do that I have no desire to do that by the way oh that's good I was (laughs) nervous briefly uh as an aside as like sort of a um rabbit trailed I guess this is like a like a practical application of and and how I teach discerning not not even just like what is a trauma response and what's my what's psychic receiving but what's just me like what's just my brain and what is psychic receiving and so one of the ways that I encourage people to get familiar with this is by starting to identify um and and this is really useful if you're someone who like hears you know will hear a voice or will have a knowing if you have clairvoyance you might see something but asking like who's whose voice like who's saying that um in your own mind and so if it sounds like you it's probably you um and then when it's you it's you with all of your life experiences attached to that yeah yeah and that includes your you know up to and including your um your trauma uh so a lot of times when i'm getting information that is you know whether it's from source or from one of my guides um it will sound different it will also feel different that's a really big thing for me is it 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 doesn't you know it doesn't it feels different from my whatever my anxiety state is or my neutral state of being it it is feels a little bit different um and so just start noticing those sensations um see if you can hear like whose voice is saying what um 
and that can, that can inform that as well. Like, am I receiving a message from a guide or am I receiving a message from my paranoid inner child? Uh, I don't know. What's it sound like? <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, and then like some of the stuff that I teach too, is like coming into the space of like neutrality in your own head, because then, and sometimes I can't distinguish whether it's my higher self or it's Kali or it's ayahuasca. I work with them a lot. Um, they're my home girls. Uh, and that's okay. But as long as you're in that, like, state of neutrality in the center of your head and for anybody who's meditated before or anybody who's like thought um when you're in your thinking brain you're in the front and that's like when you can feel like your brows furrow maybe a little bit and that's like where you get your headaches um if you're like trying to plan too much and you're in your analytical brain you'll actually feel it there and then as soon as you sink back it's like just behind the eyeballs and like it the top of your ear level. Um, that's what in the practices that I have, we call that your kind of like your state of neutrality is where that can be found. And if you're getting information from there, then that is a good indicator that you're getting information from your highest self, from source, from, I mean, ultimately, if we're going to talk about if duality or non-duality exists, it's all the fucking same. If it's, you know, there's a lot of concepts we could talk about here that are very deep. Um, but if you're getting information from that, that's the information you can generally trust and is something that you can work with. Um, and I know like when you're in a state of meditation and for some reason, everybody's like, I can't meditate. My brain won't shut off. The thing is, is that you probably didn't realize your brain doesn't shut off until you started meditating, but know that not a single bitch on this planet can sit and meditate and not have their brain go crazy. It's called like the Hindus call it the monkey brain. It's like the whole entire point of meditation is to try to tame that. You are not special with your <laughs> crazy making brain. Everybody has it. It's like the entire point. Yeah, it is the entire Like observing point. that is like you're doing it yeah and when you sit down to meditate that might be the first time you've ever actually observed what your brain does um and just know that that's the thing with everybody so not every meditation you can even like sink into that space of neutrality um i teach various tools that allow somebody to actually try to get to that space um but it doesn't even work all the time sometimes you're just not in that space to do it like we mentioned at the very beginning if you're in an active trauma response like Sometimes you just got to go like curl under a weighted blanket and eat some Cheez-Its watching Drag Race until you can. That's too real, isn't it? <laughs> just anyway. a life anecdote. Yeah. So that's kind of like a non-answer answer. You'll get there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's all practice. Yeah. Um, okay. Awesome. Well... Don't forget to email your questions. You can send them directly to me, k.evelynkennedy at gmail.com. Um, and we can't wait to hear from you guys. Yeah. And again, to find us, I can be found on my website at jpowintuitive.com. Uh, you can also email me at jpowintuitive at gmail.com. You, you can find me at themirrorgrid.com and on my TikTok and my Instagram at the.mirror.grid. Thanks, guys. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Bye. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children.
The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.